We are here. <laughs> so we'll start again. I think you missed all of that that Mark was saying. And uh, yeah, it was good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and you got a little dance from me. So um, just a little one. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, good morning, Faith Life. Good morning, Faith Life. It's so good to be with you again. And on this beautiful morning, the sun is shining. Um, Technology is working perfectly. It's now working, so so all is good, and we're raring to go. We've had some great worship this morning from Mike and Flick, and King, thank you for leading us in communion together. That was really good, um, and now we are here to do our bit. Mike's got a great preach that's uh, coming, the first of a two-part preach on discipleship. So we're really excited for this morning. Yeah, it's, it's it's good to be back. We've been away for a few days yeah. in our caravan. God's been speaking to us. He's been showing us some of the things that he's got for us, exciting things. We're, we're, we're really excited, really positive about them. You know, whilst uh, the government might, might think we're closing down and it's all getting worse, God's got some plans. He has. And so we're really excited. We're looking forward to the autumn. We're looking forward to getting going again, yeah. perhaps in a different way than we, we've done it before, but looking forward to sort of moving forward. Some new ideas. And you know, God's not stopped working. So we're looking forward to souls saved, bodies healed, lives changed, people yeah. set free. You know, the work of the kingdom hasn't stopped. Jesus said, where there's two or three gathered together, then I'm there with them. Well, that's a lot less than six, so we can do that. Absolutely. You know, the, the early church, they gathered, they, they listened to the apostles' doctrine. Well, you're doing that. They prayed, they, they uh, shared food together. And, you know, they... they they really pressed in and prayed to God. So that's not limited by numbers. We can do that. Two or three gathered together. So we're looking forward to this run up from now until Christmas. Yeah. And whatever comes, God's here with us. Yeah. And we're going to keep pushing in, pressing into God. Yeah. We're in difficult times, we know, as a church and not being able to gather as freely as we want to. Uh, but God has a plan. God is still on his sovereign throne and he is there with us. He, this doesn't phase him, so it's not going to phase us. So um, I've got a little bit to bring this morning that I think will really encourage us just before Mark preaches. Um, I loved what Mike and Flick brought in worship, that we have an awesome God, a holy God, a great God. And during this time where we may look and think, there are numbers going up, there's you know tighter lockdown, when are we ever going to come out of this time? I was thinking this week, um, two of our little uh, children had to go for testing because they'd started preschool and had a cold, and but because of the situation that we're in, um, there was all the, well, is it COVID, is it not? It wasn't, the test was negative, praise God. Um, but it's just there with us all the time. I met a lady uh, in a garden um, where I was picking flowers. It, uh, I was allowed to be there. I didn't just enter someone's garden uh, for one of Jessica's cakes. And she was just feeling overwhelmed by the situation that we're in and not knowing where to turn. And so there is that feeling when we get up in the morning of we're in uncertain times. Um, we're still in uncertain times, but God knows what we need and he has a plan and on Thursday nights in Mark's end time study we're looking at Revelation and I have to say that um, when we were going into this study 
I thought, do I really want to know about Revelation? You know, why don't I just concentrate on today? But I found it really, really encouraging that God is with us. He knows what we need and he is there for us. He's been through everything that we could possibly go through and he's encouraging us to know that he is with us. And I just wanted to um, pick up my uh, iPad with all my different versions on. And on Thursday we looked at Revelation 1 and there was just something that really caught me. I had the picture of John being on Patmos in a cave, having gone through lots of uh, tribulation, persecution, and Jesus comes to him. And that is who Jesus is, our loving saviour, who when we need him, whatever we're going through in our day, he comes to us. And I loved what he said to John in uh, Revelation 1, um, verse 17. Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. And I just want to read it out of um, another version. Uh, this is Jesus speaking to us. Do not yield to fear. I am the beginning and I am the end, the living one. I was dead, but now look, I'm alive forever and ever. And I think Jesus, I know Jesus, was comforting John, but also speaking to us. That in difficult times, and we don't know what's going to happen today, tomorrow, Jesus is with us. He's saying, don't yield to fear. Do not be afraid. In our, on our own, we tend to do that. But we can trust that he is with us when he says, don't yield to, be, to fear. Don't be afraid. And then he gives us that I am the beginning and I am the end. The living one. I was dead, but now look, I'm alive forever and ever. And he's encouraging us that when we're facing difficult times, we don't have to be afraid because he was dead and he's now alive, which means he hasn't gone away. He is right with us and we can put our hope in him. And I just want to um, finish. I've been looking at uh, Proverbs 3 when I find it. Um, you all know this verse. Um, it's the bit um, where it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. And I just want to bring it from a different translation um, because this really, really spoke to me. Um, and this is what God is saying to us. This is what he's giving to us. Trust in the Lord completely and do not rely on your own opinions. I found that really spoke to me that I don't have to rely on myself, my own opinions, what I see, what I don't see, what I should be doing. 
Sometimes I feel that I don't know and don't have what it takes. But God is saying to us, don't lean on your own opinions, your own understanding. With all your heart, rely on him to guide you. So that's a heart attitude. With a heart, rely on him to guide you because he will lead you into every decision you make. Become intimate with him in whatever you do and he will lead you wherever you go. And this is the bit that really hit me that I just wanted to bring to you this morning. Don't think for a moment that you know it all. Oh, thank goodness. This is God saying to me, I know that you don't know it all. You don't even have to think that you know it all. For wisdom comes when you adore him with undivided devotion and avoid everything that's wrong. Then you will find the healing, refreshment your body and spirit longs for. When we adore him, when we spend time with him, when we are intimate with him, he gives us wisdom. He gives us in our heart the things that we need to be able to do the things that he says we can do. Don't be afraid. So his message to me, and I wanted to share it with you, we know this, but I just wanted to encourage us, is don't be afraid, don't be fearful, but do spend time with Jesus because he loves us, because he is alive, because he is with us in intimacy, in his presence, gleaning from his wisdom which he will give us so that we don't have to be afraid of today of tomorrow we don't have to lean on our own understanding or opinions we don't have to worry that we don't know what to do because if we spend time with him in that secret place yielding to him adoring him he is our wonderful savior he is the one that loves us he is the one that has all that we need and he is saying, I will give it to you. Come, let me share my heart. Let me share my wisdom with you. So this morning, Faith Life family and, and anybody else that's uh, joining with us, I just ask the Holy Spirit to fill you deep down in your heart with the knowledge that he is with you, that he will give you what you need. He loves you and he will give you strength, he will give you wisdom, so that you don't need to be afraid. We don't need to fear tomorrow, we just need to spend time with him and let him guide our path. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 So, um, we have a great preach coming up. I hope that encouraged you, got us on a good footing. Um, take it into your week. And Mark's now going to speak to us um, about being disciples of Jesus, will, which will help us on this journey. So, I shall pray for you, and then you can bring us uh, okay. the Word of God. So, Holy Spirit, 
I ask now that you will fill each of us with your presence, with your wisdom, with the love of the Father. Right now, open our hearts wherever we are to receive from you. Thank you that you are with us. Thank you that we have your word to stand on in difficult times, in the good and the bad, in the times of blessing, in the times of plenty, in the times of lack. You are with us and you will guide us through it to the other side. So Holy Spirit, speak to us now through Mark. I ask that your anointing will flow through him. Bless him, Father. Bless his words. And may we leave from this place receiving more from you because you are a good God who is with us all the time. Amen. Amen. Okay, everybody. Um, I'll get here eventually, so you might as well open your Bibles at Matthew chapter 4, which is kind of the, the, the passage that I'm going to base this morning on. But before I get there, I wanted to talk about why, why this little mini-series called Dare to Be a Disciple. One of the things that, um, a few weeks ago, we talked about, you know, how we were going to move forward, what we could do to, to perhaps connect more with each other. And it's so important that we do continue connecting, that we do continue ringing each other up and, and so on. But also to try and get a sense of what God wanted us to do in the future. That it's a time now where we are able to reassess, to, to look at, to reprioritize, to really try and get a vision from God about how he wants us to move forward as individuals in the church. So one of the things that uh, I did and I asked uh, for volunteers for as well is I asked some people, but also some of you volunteered to answer a series of questions that I sent out. And just thank you for everybody that participated in that. Thank you for those who volunteered. Uh, your answers were brilliant. They're just so, uh, so much effort and so much depth that you put into them. But one of the, the, the really key things that came out of that was the question of what is a real disciple? Because many of you, what you were saying, what you were feeding back is that you wanted to, to fully live out the, the, the idea of being a disciple and that you wanted the church and the believers around you as part of the Faith Life family to, to get involved in that and help you with that. But what ca also came out from that is that we're also not quite sure what it does mean to be a disciple. We, it's something we want inside, but we're not quite sure what it really means. And, and I think the reason we're not really quite sure about that is that there is a lot of confusion about what it looks like to be a disciple in church the way we do church today and the way that church has developed and grown over the last 10, 20, 30 years in our nation. Now, so I, that's what I wanted to do in this little mini-series, just have a look at that idea of what it means to be a disciple. And you know, when you look at things, the, the best place or the only place you should start is not books about discipleship or anything like that. The place to start is always the Word of God. And when you look at, at, at this biblically, you know, we're going to, to go to Matthew chapter 4 in a moment. But when you look at this biblically, one of the things that you, you really clearly see 
is that when you define discipleship biblically, it always leads to a single conclusion. And that conclusion is that to be a disciple inevitably will lead you to the responsibility of making disciples. You know, right from the beginning of Christianity, Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You know, what defines discipleship, what defines what a disciple is, is someone who follows Jesus, follows after Jesus. But that's, that's more than just following certain rules or certain regulations or certain traditions. It's more than just like coming along to church, playing your part in the church meeting. Being a disciple, following after Jesus, means to become more and more like Jesus. And in order for that to happen, we have to enter into a genuine relationship with Jesus himself. Not, not a relationship with church or a relationship with other believers, but a relationship with Jesus himself. And in that process of relationship with Jesus, through the word and through his spirit, spending time with him, studying the word and spending time in prayer and worship in his presence, through that relationship, something really important happens. Jesus transforms us. And he said, I will make you fishers of men. What are fishers of men? Fishers of men are not just people that get people saved or get people to come to church or get people to join an alpha course or, or, or anything like that. A fisher of my, men is somebody who uh, reaches out, captures the heart of someone with the gospel and then disciples them, then brings them into the net and disciples them. And any attack, you know, one of the things that I think you see clearly in scripture but i think we need to rediscover in the church of our day in this nation is that any attempt to to be a disciple without feeling the responsibility of disciple making actually misses the point and so we need to think of that as a church as a body as individuals so when jesus says uh, go and make disciples of all the nations he wasn't saying hey guys gather gather yourselves in groups uh, have some teaching programs uh, discuss a few things with each other come up with a few ideas organize yourselves what he was saying is being a disciple involves reaching those who aren't disciples then baptize them then teach them to obey all he commanded now, the thing about obeying all he commanded, it's really easy then in our kind of religious mindsets to suddenly leap over and think, oh, I've got to keep all these rules and all these traditions. I've got to do everything perfectly in all the right way. But what he's saying is teach them to obey what I commanded, not all the law, but what did I command? And Jesus commanded us three things. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul and all your strength all your, or all your might. And love your neighbour as yourself. And then he said, go into all the nations, make disciples, baptise them in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit and teach them to obey all I commanded you. So there's those three things that Jesus commands you to do. And on top of that, he added a, a, a kind of nuance to that with his own disciples. And he said, this is how it works. Love one another 
in the same way as I've loved you. In other words, start to look like me in the way you love other people. You know, discipleship isn't... We need, we need to make this leap that discipleship isn't so much about knowing what the Bible says. It's not so much about memorising verses or being able to quote things. Discipleship is actually about, let me help you know how to obey what Jesus said. That loving God, loving others like he loved us and going and making disciples. How to live that out, how to follow that in our everyday lives. So in that sense, it's not counselling, it's not a Bible study, it's not a programme, it's not even a Sunday church service. All these things that, that are good things, actually what we need to do is overlay them with the concept of are we making disciples? You see, discipleship is orientated towards missional. What that means is, discipleship is orientated towards the word go. Go make disciples, go in my name, heal the sick, cast out demons, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, preach the gospel in the name of Jesus. The discipleship is orientated towards go. But when in our generation and perhaps in previous generations too we've switched that around where we are trying to attract people to come to us and that causes certain behaviors it causes us to do certain things in order to get people to come to our meetings or in order to get people to come to our buildings or in order to get people to come to whatever we're putting on and usually we'll try and bribe people with food or refreshments or some other way free gifts and we try and try to get people to come when the imperative for actually being a disciple is to go and and so i i kind of want to put that in your your thinking to start with now you know when i talk about going when i talk about reaching out to others it's very easy, I think, because we filter that through some of the things that we've all experienced ourselves. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk and a lot of action in the last 20 years about making uh, our, our meetings in our churches more accessible. And making things more accessible is a good thing. But with, along with that has come like phrases, it's so not about you. Or, it's all about reaching the lost. Well, I just want to be clear on what I'm saying here because I am absolutely not saying that and I am absolutely not agreeing with that. You see, I'm not talking in about an absence of helping believers grow, helping believers mature, helping believers relate to each other, to grow in love as a church family. And, and doing that through our meetings. It's not about binning growth. It's not about binning feeding ourselves on the word of God. It's not about making our meetings all about the lost. You see, when the lost become the centre of our meetings, when we tailor everything around the lost, we've inevitably moved Jesus and his body off to the side of the meeting and made the lost the focal point. And, you know, the truth of the gospel is Jesus is always the focal point. Jesus is always the centre. Jesus loves his family. You know, the, it, Paul in Romans tells us that Jesus loved us before we ever came to him. But then he says, so now how much more does he love us? Jesus actually deeply 
intimately cares about those who are members of his body and he delights to be with them. He delights to be glorified in their midst. He delights to, for us to make him the centre of attention in our meetings, to turn our affections to him, to turn our emotions to him, to turn our uh, minds to him and worship him and glorify him as the centre of attention. And so discipleship, secondly, you know, my second point is really, it's about putting Jesus right back at the centre of everything. And that's just so important because often when we meet or, or do things in, 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 in our, our church world, Jesus is sometimes anything but the centre of attention and he needs to be. Not the man, not the minister, not the person on the stage, but Jesus. Jesus is the centre of attention and that is the heart of any true disciple. So let's get on to these, this passage I told you about, really kind of a well-known passage, Matthew chapter 4. Um, and I'm going to start reading at verse 17. Um, basically, it, it starts with Jesus, you know, I've got a heading in my Bible, it says, Jesus begins his Galilean ministry. And then it says this, From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You know, we, we're talking about the kingdom of heaven and our Thursday night groups. If you've not connected with that, then catch up on YouTube this week. Connect this, this, this second week as we're going deep into what it means to, to see the kingdom of heaven in our everyday lives. So repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two others and they were brothers, James, the son of Zebedee and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them and they do something astonishing. They get out of the boat, they leave the father behind, they leave the fishing, they leave the nets. And immediately they leave the boat and their father and they follow Jesus. And I just want us to, to perhaps think about that passage in a little bit more depth because it, it's something that it would be quite easy just to gloss over. But when we want to understand what it means to be a disciple, to dare to be a disciple, what, what does that mean for me? How do I live that out? Then we have to see that in the mirror of scripture. The big question that we're trying to answer this week and next week is what does it mean to follow Jesus? When he said, follow me, what does it mean? Now that word follow, you know, the, the word that's translated there would be easy, really easy to go, well, I know what follow means. You just tag along behind and, and see what he does. But that word follow, the, it carries a particular sense in the original language. It's got a force to it. What Jesus is saying is, come Come here, come with me, and come right now. And, and that's that he's, he's making a, a demand on their life. He, he knows that he has a destiny for them that is so much greater than the life they are currently living. And he's calling them into it, and he's calling them into it with a sense of urgency. And Jesus, right with us, right now, he's calling us with a sense of urgency into a destiny far greater than we have currently lived and that we have seen before. He's got a destiny for every single person who listens to this preach. 
A destiny for every single person who will take seriously and respond to this message. And it's a greater life than you are currently living. And he's asking you to, to go to him, to search, to hear his voice and say, God, what are you saying to me? What do you want me to come, come here, come right now and leave what I'm doing? What, what is it that you, you want to change about my life? Now, the, the, the point that I'm making here is a really simple one, but it's also a challenging one. It's challenging because of the generation in which we live. And the point I'm making is this, to follow Jesus means to live for his cause and not ours. To follow Jesus means to live for his cause and not ours. And when he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, what, what, he's, what he's saying there is he's asking us for something major, something radical, something life-changing. The gospel changes lives. And he's asking us to change our minds about what it is we value in this life. To live for something else or someone much greater than our own goals and our own agenda. And that's, that's very challenging in the generation that we live in. I'm, I'm sure it was equally challenging, massively challenging for these disciples who followed him. Because he was asking these disciples to renounce a few things about their lives. He was asking them to leave aside, to put aside some of the things that had been central to their lives. He was asking them to think about would they trust him as their provider? Would they trust him to, to, with the life that they were living? And, or were they going to go in a different direction? So what he's asking them is he asked them to leave aside the comfort that they were living in, to leave the familiar, to leave the current life for the uncertainty of trusting him. You know, uh, in Luke chapter 14, verse 33, it says this, So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. What's he saying now? Well, you know, that's kind of an abrupt, it's kind of a, a sort of Jesus-like statement, isn't it? It's kind of an in-your-face Jesus statement. And what he's actually saying to them, he's talking to them about counting the cost of discipleship. And he says, you know, if you're, not, if you're not willing to forsake all you have, then you cannot be a disciple. And, and just saying that seems shocking to our generation's ears. It's a challenge. You know, we have to let God's word challenge us. And that, that is a challenging statement from Jesus. It's a radical statement. And here's the, here's the thing, Jesus, you know, in making that statement, one of the things that, uh, you know, that, that happened there is that, you know, you, when you look into that, you see that followers of, people who follow Jesus won't always know where they're going. You know, these disciples set off following Jesus and didn't know where they were going, didn't know what their life was going to look like in the future, but they, 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 they counted their life with Jesus greater than their own. And so they didn't, we won't always know where we are going as a disciple, but we will always know the one that we are with. We won't always know where we're going as a disciple, but we will always know the one that we're with. And, and Jesus was asking these, 
these, these young men to leave their profession, to leave their career and, and follow him. And you know, well, what sort of person does that? What sort of person just ups, drops their career and goes off and follows Jesus? Well, I did. I was a, a, a successful partner at a senior level in a big global consulting firm, uh, you know, fulfilling the dreams that most young people have coming out of university. They go, if only I, I could get to that level. And I was right, you know, at the pinnacle of my profession, uh, involved in all sorts of exciting things. And yet God called me to do something else. And, and back in 2010, I, I stepped down from that position to go more full-time in ministry. And whilst it's not been easy, I have to say it was absolutely the right decision to follow Jesus. And, and it's just like this, this decision that um, he's asking these disciples to do. You know, he asked them to leave their possessions. Uh, I think it said, where did it say? Yeah, they dropped their nets and all their things and they went after him. You know, these guys had a lot to lose by following Jesus. We all have a lot to lose by following Jesus. But the biggest thing we have to lose is our own agenda, living for ourselves. You know, they, 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 he challenges them. And in, in a sense, they, they were facing losing their reputation, facing losing their friends, facing losing their safety, facing losing their comfort. And, and none of that sounds good. It doesn't sound good that when we talk about what we lose. But the truth is, whatever we lose or give up or reprioritize for Christ, we will always make a good bargain. You see, Jesus said, what does it, what does it profit a man to gain the whole of the world, everything in the world, and lose his soul? And, and Jesus is saying, no, you know, when you give things from me, you gain more. You will always gain. There is no bad bargain. You could give everything in the world and you would still be better off by following me. It's always better what I have for you than what you would leave behind, what you would give up, whatever the cost is. It's always better. You see, ultimately what Jesus is saying is to be a disciple, you have to make the leap away from self and to live for him. And this is where I want to come on to this challenge, the challenge we face in our generation, the challenge that I guess some of you are feeling right now, which is going like, this, this sounds like really hard and I don't want to do that. What, what, you know, what, what does this mean for me? And the, the reason that that is hard for us is the mindset and the generation we live in. We live in a very particular time, a, a very... Um, I guess unusual time and we live in a time when life is centered around us where we focus on self more than anything else you know Paul writes to Timothy and he says in the last days difficult perilous times will come because men will be lovers of self self first the ourselves first now here's, here's the thing when you hear this you go like God Mark, has Mark, Mark lost his mind you know, I thought this was all about getting blessed. I thought God loved us. I thought it was about grace. I thought it was about blessing. Absolutely it is. Am I saying that God does not want to bless you? Absolutely not. Am I saying God does want to bless you? Absolutely I am. But what I'm saying is perhaps we've, we, we risk 
or we have a danger of getting pulled into the spirit of our age, the spirit of our generation, the spirit that's invaded uh, the, 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 the body of Christ, which is that, that self-focused generation that Paul told Timothy about. You see, we often come to church and, and we go, you know, how do I get blessed? How do I get this to work for me so that my life gets better? And here's, here's the challenge. You know, many of us have been sold this selfie generation idea. And it's partly the way we presented the gospel. We, we've come along and here's how we've, we've, we've tended to present the gospel in our desire to have people come to us instead of us go to them. And here's the idea. You hear the word, you pray a prayer, you fill in a card, you join a church and you serve on Sunday and you get to keep your life exactly the way it was. Only now Jesus is going to bless you and your life's going to be better than it was. Here's the thing. That is not the gospel. Don't buy it and don't sell it. That is not the gospel. The gospel is that when you come to Jesus, you live your life for him. You give him your life. And yet... You know, it's so easy to get sucked into the spirit of our age, into that selfie generation spirit. And, and we come to church and we think about church and we think about our Christian life. And, and all sorts of questions come up in our minds that are conditioned by that spirit of the age. And, and so we'll say, you know, am I getting what I need from this place? How do I get my hands on those blessings? Why is this not working for me? Why is God not answering? And then we'll say, well, like, is this church, is it meeting my needs? Does it, is it doing things the way I like it to? Is it meeting my plans? Is it helping me with my agenda? Is it helping me get on with my career? Is it helping me do this better? And, you know, we, have, we, have, we live in what is, has been christened by psychologists, the selfie generation. And you go, well, what does that mean? Well, we are the first generation in history to have whole pages of the internet devoted entirely to ourselves, talking about ourselves, putting pictures up of ourselves, sharing our every intimate detail about ourselves, and basically sharing all our experience, no matter how trivial or how big, about ourselves. And that is, that is a depart, complete departure from any generation before us. You know, often we value ourselves in this selfie generation by comparison to what we see about what other people say about themselves on that social media, on those pages. And we look at those pages and we get the best aspect of somebody else's life and we look at ourselves and we compare ourselves and we think we're failures because we're valuing ourselves according to that selfie generation spirit. You know, we, we, we go and we, we, we worry about how do we share the gospel. We worry about what if I tell people I'm a Christian? What if I share the reality of being a Christian some, with somebody? What will people think about me? What will people say about me? You know, and then, then we'll get upset. We'll get angry. We'll get fearful. We'll get uh, offended. And, and we'll say... And I'm justified in living like this. I'm justified in doing this because of what people did to me, because of what people said about me. And, you know, it's, it's this selfie generation 
that we have fallen into, which is the spirit of our age. What are we doing? Well, to be a disciple, we look to Jesus. To be someone who is impacted by the selfie generation, we look to ourselves. Jesus said, follow me, look like me. He's not saying, I don't want to bless you. He's saying, look like me. He's not saying that, that he doesn't have good things for us because he does. He has, an amaz he has amazing things for us. He's died to give us all the blessings, all the inheritance of the new covenant. But we find it often very difficult to receive because we have got captured by the spirit of the selfie generation. Let me just like kind of wrap this up by um, just explaining to you what I mean by that. Because to be a disciple, we must resist the spirit of the selfie generation. To be a disciple, we must resist the spirit of the selfie generation. Now, let me, let me run that through for you. You see, the selfie generation will say, I'm willing to follow Jesus, but I don't want it to cost me anything. I'm willing to follow Jesus, but I don't want it to cost me anything. But Jesus said... Uh, it's that passage in Luke 14 again. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and his own mother, and I'm reading for the Amplified here, uh, in the sense of relative disregard for them in comparison to his attitude and love for me, and likewise wife, children, brothers, sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not persevere and carry his own cross and come after me, cannot be disciple and then he talks about you know knowing the cost understanding the cost of that and we, we struggle with that because we have got absorbed with that selfie mindset and he, and he talks about a man who's got doing a project to build a farm building and he says like who do that without sitting down first calculating the cost to see if he can actually carry it through to completion Otherwise, you'll get the foundation laid and you won't have anything left to complete the building. And, and what Jesus is saying there is that to follow me does not fit with the selfie generation that wants its faith to be of no cost. It is always of cost. And Jesus is urging us to say, count that cost, think about it, but know that it pales into insignificance towards the, in comparison to the life and the destiny that I have for you. You see, the, 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 the spirit of the selfie generation, it will come along and it says, I want to have my need met first, then I'll believe in God, then I'll follow God, then I'll go after him. But Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of heaven and all these things will be added unto you. But the, the selfie spirit says, put yourself first, get all you can and then hang on to it. The selfie spirit says, I want to get and then I'll give. You know, when, when it's all coming in, when the money's rolling in, when I'm wealthy, then I'll give some things. But Jesus says the opposite. He says, um, give and it will be given to you. Give first and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. 
The, the, the kingdom works the opposite to the selfie generation. The selfie generation wants so it can give, so it comes to Jesus to get, whereas the kingdom says, I'll give and I'll trust Jesus to give me full measure, pressed down, running over, an abundance for every good work. The selfie generation says, I want to see it, then I'll believe it. You know, go on, prove it to me. But Jesus says, have faith in God. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says this mountain be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things will be done, he will have what he says. We believe first, then we see. But the selfie generation says, I'll see it when I believe it. You know, the, the, the selfie generation says, I want to be comfortable and provided for before I'll step out. And Jesus says, my will is to do the will of my father. The selfie generation says, take care of yourself because no one else will. Jesus says, I'll take care of you, follow me. Jesus is calling us to go against the spirit of our age to be a disciple. You see, here's the truth. God loves you so much that he puts you at the centre of his heart. Let me just finish by reading you a couple of things. Psalm 139 says this. Psalm 139 verse 17. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I could count them, they would be without number, more numbers than the sand. When I'm awake, I am still with you. God is thinking about you. You are on God's heart. He loves you. You're prescient to him. And he's thinking more thoughts about you than you could imagine. And they're good thoughts. You know, um, in Zephaniah uh, chapter 3, he, he says this. And it, this is a passage I absolutely love. The Lord your God in your midst, the mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with love and he rejoices over you with singing. The Jesus who calls us to follow, follow him rejoices over us with singing. He has us on his heart. He, he's looking for us. He's thinking good thoughts about us. He's thinking positive thoughts about us. He calls us forward into a life laid down for him that will be immeasurably greater, more fulfilling than anything that is on offer with our selfie generation. The one at the centre of the universe places us at the centre of his heart and he calls us, and he calls us out of love, not obligation, but out of love. Seek first the kingdom of heaven. Why? then all these things will be added unto you. Let's get it the right way around. Let's follow Jesus. Let's not get captured by the spirit of our age, but live our lives in a way that says that I sacrifice my life for the greater life of Christ. We're going to continue this next week. We're going to look at some of the other things that, that happened with those disciples when they were called. But right now, you know, if you don't know Jesus or you, you just stumbled on this or 
you're unsure about where you stand with it, I'm going to give you an opportunity to just pray with me now, to turn to him, you know, do what he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is in hand. Change your mind about the direction your life is going. Turn to Jesus, give him your life and step into something greater, more amazing, more fulfilling, a greater future than the past that you would leave behind. So just pray this with me, follow me. Father, I ask you to forgive me for everything that I have done, for all the times I have ignored you, turned my back on you, not been interested in you. I declare Jesus as my saviour and the Lord of my life. I give you my life now, Lord. And I ask you to come to fill me with your spirit, to give me new life, to be born again. And I place my trust in you, wholly in you, and not in myself from this point forward. Amen. Amen. If you want to respond to that, just message us on Facebook, email us at office at faithlifechurch.org.uk. Uh, we'd really love to hear from you. Uh, we love hearing the testimonies of the people who are getting saved through these broadcasts, people who are getting their life changed through these broadcasts, uh, the, the, the people who are impacted by what Jesus is doing in their lives. And we love to hear it. We love to celebrate with you, but we'd love to help you in the next steps on your journey. So do messages or email us. Amen. 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 Um, thank you, Mark. That was a, a, a great beginning. We've got the next part next week and I'm really looking forward to what you're going to bring next week. Um, it's quite a challenge. Um, the Bible is challenging, you know, the Word of God, and we do need to take what God is saying to us seriously. Um, I loved what God had given me to bring uh, and that also came through in Mark's preach, that the key is putting Jesus at the centre and spending time with Jesus, whether we're a new believer or we've been a believer for many years, as we spend time with him and we put him at the centre, he will then, as Proverbs was showing us, um, give us wisdom, put things on our heart that he has for us to do. And when we spend time with him and we start to look like him and we'll start to do the things that are on his heart, then we receive the grace to be able to do all that God places in front of us. We know he loves us so much. He blesses us. He cares for us. The word says that he'll never leave us or forsake us. So we receive so much from him. And as we spend time with Jesus, then we carry his heart and we do everything that he asks us to do uh, from that place. And um, I was just thinking when you mentioned about being um, called into ministry, um, we actually prayed about that. We knew that we were called. Uh, but it was actually 10 years before we stepped in. During those 10 years, we did a lot of things in preparation. We tested it. Um, initially we didn't want to do it, uh, but it wouldn't go away. 
and we we kept, kept taking it to the Lord and he showed us uh, the next step then the next step you know uh, one of the things that, that God showed us in, in that in that time and mm -hmm. I kind of probably need to explain it now is that you can do when you hear a message like this that is challenging because yeah. we you know the more gentle messages aren't as challenging but Jesus is sometimes challenging you do challenges and, it and, is good. and when we hear a message <laughs> like this God. we can do we can make two mistakes and and I made both of these mistakes when I've looked at, at, at the scripture and, and I've been challenged the first mistake you can make is to universalize that message to say Jesus would require everybody to give up everything and I now need to stop and go and off and be a missionary or give up everything get rid of everything I've got that's the universalizing of the message that would be an error yes because those disciples didn't actually give up everything they kept their boats they still had them at the the end they they, they still had their went back to their families at various points they didn't give up everything and when you look through the new testament people a lot of them just carry on in their everyday lives but with christ as the center yeah and 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 so it's wrong to universalize a message like yeah. this it's wrong to say oh mark's telling us all we need to give up everything no i'm not because they didn't do that they didn't do that in the word but it's also wrong to minimize it it's the the other extreme the other area is to minimize it and say jesus would never ask me to do anything that i don't fancy doing and and when we when we realize we can fall in those two errors into those two errors we can then start to see jesus clearly because sometimes mm. jesus asks us to do things that are uncomfortable yeah. Sometimes Jesus asks us to endure and be patient and go through times like we are going through as a nation and as a church right now. He, he didn't cause this, but he asks us to go through it, not give up, not get disillusioned, not fall away, but to stay engaged, stay strong as a family. And so we don't want to minimise things, but nor do we want to universalise them. Mm, yeah, I think that's a really good point because the, the key is that as we spend time with him, he gives us certain things that we have to do. And uh, we know somebody who would be amazing in ministry, but he feels that his job is to keep working and providing finance. And that is his calling. That is absolutely and right. And we agree with it. And we agree with it. Um, so it is finding out what Jesus is asking of us, but knowing that whatever he asks, even if it's for a time a bit uncomfortable, he will give us what we need by his grace. We never have to do anything in our own strength. We have to lean on him, not trusting in our own understanding, get our wisdom from him, know that he loves us, know that he'll never give us more than we can bear, know that his provision for every day is there. All we have to do is make him centre of our lives, spend time with him so that we receive from him, we can hear his voice and let him work through us so that it's him doing it not us therefore we're leaning into his strength not in our own strength and then it might some things might be hard but if we receive what we need by grace from him then we will have everything we need to do it and um and and i'm speaking to myself here uh this is a challenge for me and holy spirit i ask us now just to give us everything that we need help us to hear your voice we thank you for your love. We thank you for your blessing. We thank you that you are with us. 
And Holy Spirit, I ask that you'll help us in our time with you to uh, receive from you. Help us even to have that time with you when our lives can get busy. Because we know that being in the centre um, of all that you have for us, your will is the best for us. Amen. Amen. So, um, Faith Life, it's been lovely being with you this morning. We miss seeing you. Um, as I say every week, we see a few people as we can, but coming together corporately as a body uh, is so much better. But at this time, we are still a body together. We are still running together. Uh, we are here for you. Email the office if you need anything. Uh, keep connecting. Uh, worship tonight with Mike and Flick is at five o'clock, uh, not 5.30. So join them at five tonight. Uh, join the other worship sessions that we're doing. Uh, join the prayer group Friday night. Um, uh, what else? Backroom worship. Backroom worship at 6.45 tonight. And uh, I think well, there'll be coffee after this meeting. Um, if there is, the link will come up possibly now on Facebook feed or onto um, Faith Life Family. So, so keep joining, ring each other, connect with each other. Uh, we are a family together, so family, let's um, be there for each other. Amen. So we bless you. Um, have a great week and we will see you next week. Love you lots. <laughs>